The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast, our weekly look at the college basketball scene. Uh, here in Rhode Island, this is Kevin McNamara in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, Journal Headquarters with Mr. Bill Koch. Bill, how's it going? On a cold, crisp, clear day. Feeling pretty good, K-Mac. Good. Well, you, you've, been, you've been on, uh, well, I wouldn't say rest. You're, you're, Bill Koch never rests, but at least you've, had, uh, you've been enjoying your bye week. I'm ready to get back at it. Sure will. Tomorrow night, uh, the URI Rams, after the week off, will be... Uh, down in Charlotte, beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, to play Davidson and hopefully uh, to keep their season rolling. And maybe more importantly, maybe you might see 50 degrees down there, Bill. You never know. Uh, Mid-50s, allegedly, on uh, Saturday for the high. like to see it. I understand that's heading our way. So a little preview down there in, uh, in Charlotte. So enjoy that. Uh, and we're going to get to the Rams in, in a little bit. We're going to start the, this week's podcast with... Uh, the I, I wouldn't say red hot, but the uh, intriguingly fast rising with a bullet Providence Friars, who have all of a sudden, uh, again, it's tough to get excited about a team that hasn't won two games in a row, more than two games in a row all season, but they are playing their way into the NCAA bubble conversation. Uh, Bill, I know you and I are all over the websites this time of year looking at what uh, our media compatriots say about uh, the bubble uh, because both the Friars, well, the Rams have been uh, you know involved in that discussion for a while, but now the Friars are. Surprise, surprise. Looking a little frisky. I think that's how I would describe the Friars at this point, a little frisky. Um, you know, in with a chance. Won four out of their last six. Um, and obviously a, a game that they needed to win uh, on Wednesday night at Georgetown. Kevin Mack, you were there in our nation's capital, Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. Uh, saw a depleted Hoyas team, uh, an injured, banged-up Hoyas team, fade in the second half, uh, give in to Providence's defensive intensity, and uh, you know the Friars picked up a win that, that they sorely needed. Yeah, the Friars, uh, you know... Boy, we've seen this team start, just overcome and have to face some really horrendous offensive starts. Uh, They ran into another one um, on Wednesday at Capital One Arena. Uh, But their defense in the second half carried the day in a 73-63 win. Uh, Bill, I'm not sure if you saw the game, but I I can now pronounce the Hoyas uh, not a bubble team. Uh, At 15-11 and 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 5-8 in the league, uh, I know what their schedule is the rest of the way. They, 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 it's not going to happen for Patrick Ewing's team. And, uh, boy, if it did, I'd make him the national coach of the year because right. he has three or four guys who play 40 minutes a game because he basically has uh, you know no bench at all with the depletions to the roster. And uh, even so, the Hoyas led the Friars 34-30 at the half. Providence shot a, a smooth 31% mm. in the uh, first half. Uh, but, you know... How about they made three two-point baskets in the first half and yet survived and won uh, because they shot the three well. They had seven in the first half to kind of keep them alive. And in the second half, just totally dominated the Hoyas with their defense. Uh, Georgetown went over 13 minutes without a field goal. Uh, The game wouldn't have been close if not for a lot of uh, referee whistles uh, where Georgetown get 25 points from the foul line. Mm. Um, 
you just take that road win, put it in your pocket. It's a quad one win because Georgetown is like, uh, I think they're like 46 in the net, something like that. Uh, after the loss, they actually dropped to 53. They were in the 40s. So uh, a top 75 road win is a quad one win. So Providence will, you know, that's really what we need to talk about. Their, their resume is just getting better. You know, everyone's like, well, you know, they're in fourth place in the Big East. Doesn't matter, folks. It really doesn't matter where you finish in your conference at all. Uh, obviously, you'd like to win your conference, and you know you can put your little banner in your arena. But uh, as far as the NCAA tournament uh, place in the conference doesn't matter. It's more place uh, where you fit around the country. And Providence went from I think it was fifty-seven or fifty-eight up to fifty-one in the net, and they have six uh, quad one wins. And uh, I'll venture to say if they can get two more. Boy, it's going to be really hard for the committee to keep an eight a quad one win out of the uh, NCAA tournament. Yeah, the way I look at Providence is they probably need to win one of their next two. They have Marquette at home on Saturday, then they play at Villanova uh, after a week off. And then they probably need to win their last two games. Those are both going to be at home against Xavier and against DePaul. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I look at Providence and, and the strengths and the weaknesses on their resume are very obvious. Uh, right off the top, you're, you're looking at those six quadrant one wins, as you said, uh, they've proven that they can beat elite opponents. And, and a lot of times the selection committee will, you know, they'll base the field on who you've beaten. They want to know who you've beaten. Teams in the field, uh, elite teams. Uh, you know, in Providence, almost half their wins are, are against the cream. Uh, you know, the downsides, they're four and six overall on the road. Uh, their non-conference strength to schedule is 116, and they were seven and six mm-hmm. in that stretch. So you're looking at, at those things, and, and Providence still trying to overcome, you know, those things, those you know, those losses at the start of the year that, that really put them behind the eight ball. But you know, playing in the Big East, uh, a strong Big East that if the season ended today would probably get six bids. Um, you know, Providence has performed well. They're they're in position where they could realistically finish 11 and seven in the league. Uh, the overwhelming majority of those 11 wins would be quadrant one wins. Um, and if you're the selection committee, you're looking at Providence going to Madison Square Garden in position where they probably win their first game and make the semifinals. They'd be no worse than in the first four at Dayton. Yeah, I mean, I, if you tell me that Providence is going to win 11 Big East games, uh, including a win over either Marquette or Villanova, and then get to the semifinals of the conference tournament. There's no question about it. I'd actually be surprised if they're in the first four at Dayton. Uh, I'm one of those people who looks more at uh, when you have when you're in a big conference and you have the opportunities. Uh, if you can take advantage of them, I, I give you the double check marks. And I also think that and the, the committee is charged with selecting the best 34 at-large teams. Uh, you and I might disagree on how we weigh what best means. Mm-hmm. Uh, I consider it who's playing the best now. Uh, I know that the last 10 games, record in your last 10 games is no longer considered, but uh, let's play, let's just play a little game here. If someone goes out and goes, uh, you know, wins all their non-conference games and it finishes less than 500 in an average cons- uh, conference, so I'm not even saying like the Big East this year, Versus someone who, you know, I wouldn't say had the losses that Providence have because some of them were truly horrific, but uh, was okay early and then goes, you know, 14 and four in the same conference. Who's playing better? Right. So it's not it's not even up for discussion. And I think Providence, again, uh, with a lot of work left to do, 
uh, is in position to make that type of a case uh, for the committee. And uh, I think we'll have this discussion between now and Selection Sunday on every Pick and Pop podcast, Bill, because uh, as, again, some of our media brethren have said, Providence is setting up to look like a very unique test case for the committee. Um, again, if they can do what you said, you know, get to 11 and 7, have seven or eight quad one wins, and get as far as the semifinals of the Big East, I, I just think that's a slam dunk. But that's a long way to go. I'm, I'm thrilled that we're having the discussion. I, I love when our local teams are in contention to play in March because it truly is the best time of the year. You, you've you covered, sure. you know, I don't know how many of those games. Uh, you know, I've certainly gone to, to a couple NCAA tournaments with Rhode Island and, and been to the games the last two times I've been here at the dunk. There's nothing better than that one-and-done nature of the NCAA tournament, the desperation that teams play with, um, you know, the great players that are in the tournament. Uh, you know, I think back to going to Pittsburgh with Rhodey a couple of years ago, and Colin Sexton was there, and hmm. you know, all the Duke guys were there, and it was, I think, it was half of the top ten picks in the draft <laughs> were, were at in, that in Pittsburgh right? in Pittsburgh. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, so you're looking at teams who are attempting to reach the pinnacle of the sport and and it's great when it's one of the teams that you cover players you know well coaches you know well who are in contention for that and and providence you know really is doing what we always thought they they should do uh based on where they were picked at the start of the year in the big east and you know some of the expectations that were out there uh it would be a shame if they were to miss the ncaa tournament i i think based on a lot of that well and uh you know again some heavy lifting left to go and, and the first task is a visit from 19th ranked Marquette. Uh, it's yet another top 25 opponent for the Friars. Uh, they've won their last two games against ranked teams uh, beating Seton Hall at home and Xavier uh, actually Xavier and Seton Hall at home and at Butler. So they've I guess won the last three games against ranked teams and uh Marcus Howard comes to town. And uh, it's funny, I mm. talked with Ed Cooley yesterday about Marcus Howard, and he says, I just can't wait for him to graduate. <laughs> <laughs> can't blame him. And it, can't blame him. Uh, he had 39 uh, in the meeting earlier this year that Providence won in overtime. But uh, any Friar fan worth uh, their weight in gold remembers two years ago when Marcus as a sophomore, and everyone knew he was a good player, but I think he really made his name uh, nationally when he put 52 on the Friars uh, in his sophomore year. Really impressive. Uh, he has a 53-point game. Uh, he did that at Creighton last year. But th- this is a guy who um, I-, I think is probably not getting as much uh, love a- as he deserves. He's going to end up being a top 20, top 15 maybe, all-time leading scorer in NCAA history. Uh, a lot of people knock him because he shoots too much and his team hasn't had great success in the NCAA tournament. But uh, I don't know if that's his fault, Bill. No, he's uh, third overall right now in terms of KenPalm.com, their player of the year ranking. So they respect him. Which means he's not a gunner because no, his, no. his percentages are, 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 are you know formidable. No, what what they like is, is that he's doing a lot of scoring from three-point range and at the line. And, and those are the two most efficient places to score the ball. So, you know, Pomeroy is, is going to give you some credit based on that. Uh, for the amount that he is used, he doesn't really turn it over all that much. His turnover rate's you know, 15%, which for a guy who has the ball all the time really isn't too bad. Mm. Um, he takes the most shots in the country by percentage uh, on his team, but he's still a 40% three-point shooter. He's 84% at the line. Um, you know, his assist rate's pretty good. He's in the mid-20s, so he's not a selfish player. 
by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, yeah. can you describe what usage is? Because I've had a few emails from fans. They, they say, uh, we, we know what efficiency is, but uh, Marcus Howard has a very high usage rate. And I basically explained it with, he just has the ball in his hands all the time. It's how much you're used, how many shots you take, uh, you know, how much you assist on your teammates' field goals. Um, you know, quite literally, how much you're used uh, on offense. Um, you know, and it makes sense. If you have a player like Marcus Howard, Steve Wojciechowski would, would be committing malpractice if, if he didn't use him uh, excessively. Um, you know, and it, it's somebody who, you know, he's used on 37.5% of their possessions, which is, you know, third in the country. So Howard has been used quite well against the Friars. In seven career games, he's averaging 26 a game and shooting 48% from the three-point line. Right. So he that, had a, he had eleven in that fifty-two point game, eleven in one, threes in one game. Yes, uh, he's actually coming off two of his rougher games of the season. He had uh, only thirteen points the other night in a seventy-three sixty-five home loss to Creighton. He shot four of fourteen. Mm. I believe he was four for eleven two games before that in a win over Butler. Uh, I, I think at this point he's probably getting a little tired. Uh, he, he I watch Marquette a lot, and he hits the floor a lot. Uh, and I'd be surprised if the Friars don't knock him around with their physical defense uh, on Saturday. He's a little guy at only five of eleven. He always has the ball, so he's always coming off screens where he's running into, you know, six ten guys, uh, you know, Nate Watson types. Uh, he's going to take the worst of those blows, and I think that's probably the way to play him. You're going to make him work really, really hard for his points. Well, and we saw his last game last season was against Murray State and John Morant. Um, you know, John Moran had a great game. Uh, that game was was in Connecticut, I think it was it in was Hartford. Hartford, yes. Um, you know, and and I think you know Marcus Howard's rep overall, his maybe his pro stock took a little bit of a hit. I would say somewhat unfairly because I think John Moran is is incredibly special. Sure. Um, you know, but if if you're Providence and you're looking at personnel and, and guys who can play him. You have a long, rangy, physical guard in your backcourt in David Duke, who physically, if you stand him up next to John Morant, they actually look a lot alike. They're mm-hmm. both 6'4", 6'5", long arms, quick, um, capable of taking things away from you on the defensive end. So I would think that, that Marcus Howard would be seeing a lot of David Duke on Saturday. Uh, I think Providence will, won't be shy helping you know, off other men uh, to try and guard Marcus Howard. And you know, I think that, that Providence is perfectly capable of being able to bottle him up in that game, and, and we'll certainly need to, uh, you know, because this, if, if you're going to flip a coin between Marquette and Villanova, if you need to win one of these two games, Saturday's the one to get because that Villanova is going to be a very tall task indeed. Oh, no question. You know, Providence has three losses at home this year. As I quickly look, uh, obviously, uh, we remember the Pennsylvania game. Uh, the others would be Butler, came in here and won, and Villanova. Uh, they have three of the next four at home. Basically, you protect your home court, and you're exactly where you need to be heading to the Big East Tournament in New York City. Uh, and then you just take your chances at the Wells Fargo Center uh, against Villanova. Uh, Villanova, by the way, has not been that good at the Wells Fargo of the Center. It's a way different experience than playing on campus, so I think that's an opportunity for the Friars as well. Mm. Uh, but, you know, one at a time. Uh, they also, I think, have a really uh, fine-timed uh, uh, break between games, the Marquette game tomorrow and then the trip to Villanova next week. Kind of a uh, chance to rest up and, and 
and clear your heads and get ready for what will be a uh, pretty important and uh, exciting stretch run for the Friars. By the way, tough ticket tomorrow. Uh, my ticket geeks have told me uh, it's a real problem. It's I think it's alumni weekend at Providence. Okay. So it would have been close to full already. And now with the extra juice around the game and, you know, people want to see Marcus Howard, I'm sure, a little bit too, uh, it's a tough one. So uh, you might have to hit the secondary market with a few extra extra 20s uh, mm. in order to get into the house. Mm. But uh, uh, And also, I, Bill, how about this? I'm going to see Rodney Harrison tomorrow. I'm going to chill with Rodney pregame. Is that right? Rodney and Ed Cooley are the honorary co-chairs of the... Uh, U.S. Senior Open at Newport Country Club. Oh, that's right. And for whatever reason, the USGA and Rodney are going to be at the dunk pregame to meet with the media. Very nice. So, you know, my guess is we won't be asking Rodney about Marcus Howard and Alpha Diallo. Think there might be some Tom Brady in there? Might a little bit? be a little TB12 um, questioning. And, of course, Rodney's, uh, 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 you know, short game. You know, we'll be talking golf with Rodney Harris. Now, Rodney, uh, by all accounts, Rodney's a player. I'm curious to find out. I, I did not know that. I know that he actually lived in Providence during his time playing for the Patriots. His uh, uh, youngsters actually went to uh, the same secondary school as uh, as my kids. So oh, okay. Rodney would be doing the drop-offs uh, from time to time. Uh, couldn't even tell you where he lives now. Uh, we know that he does a good job with NBC, both uh, in a podcast like this mm-hmm. and um, – in the uh, Game of the Week, Sunday night Game of the Week uh, pregame that he does. I, I would say this about Rodney Harrison, just you know, watching him weekly on NBC, he looks great. He, he doesn't look like one of these former players who, who looks like he's struggling to get around and mm. you know needs knee replacements and, and whatever else. He, he looks like he could still go out there and play on Sundays. You don't, want him to, you don't want him to hit you? No. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. I'm with you. I am with you. Um, so, uh, transitioning to the Rams, the Rams are... Back in action, uh, they are 19-6, and six, uh, will get to 20 wins, can get to many more than 20 wins the rest of this season. 11-2 uh, and two in the Atlantic 10. Bill, what's their all-time re- uh, best uh, Atlantic 10 mark? Because I, I think that's within uh, grasp. Well, when they won the conference a couple of years ago, they were 15-3. and three. Okay. I think they can match that, which would be, yeah, I mean, that's a heck of an achievement. There's no two ways about it. Um, the Rams are back in action at Davidson. Davidson, a very, uh, I, they're a curious slash dangerous team because they've underperformed. They're only 13-12, and 12, overall 7-6 and six in the Atlantic 10. Uh, have had some injury issues. Uh, they're getting. Uh, they have a, a freshman shooter who's back, Hung Young Lee. Uh, the South Korean shooter is back. Uh, did not play in the first game uh, in Kingston when uh, Rody beat uh, Davidson. Uh, but a dangerous team. Two very good, um, experienced players in Kellen Grady and John Axel. Uh, Goodmanson that uh, Rhode Island's going to have to deal with. Yeah, injuries have, have really hurt Davidson this year. Uh, you know, you go back to the start of the year, Kishon Pritchett hasn't played. Uh, he's had a knee problem. Uh, David Chirpowitz, backup point guard, had hip surgery. He has not played. Uh, and Luke Frampton, another shooter, took a personal leave after four or five games and, and is not expected back this season. Uh, those three guys were all rotational players, all key parts of a team that played a very tough schedule early on. Uh, not a lot of home games, and and really put themselves behind the eight ball. You're, you're talking about games against Auburn, Marquette, 
um, you know, on neutral floors that they lost. Temple on a neutral floor that they lost. Um, you know, Wake Forest in a semi-home game that they lost. Uh, you know, so really tough out of the blocks. They they sort of stumbled in A-10 play at 6-6, six and six, and you know, they just haven't really found their way. Uh, you know, it looked like they were coming out of it a little bit. Um, crushed Fordham at home. Beat St. Bonaventure by 30 on the road. Uh, and then the other night, they threw away a 21-point lead at St. Joseph's, uh, a St. Joe's team that only had four wins all year, had not won a game in the A-10. Uh, they won on a buzzer beater late and a three-pointer, uh, 73-72. And just, you know, the kind of year that it's been for Davidson, just up and down with, with no sort of consistency whatsoever. You wonder how they respond to that loss. I mean, uh, to lose to St. Joseph's was clearly the worst team in the league. You would think, wow, you know, Wow, you know, we had made some progress with a really impressive win against the Bonnies, and then lose a killer on the road. Um, that'll be. Th- I think it'll be really interesting to see how they respond. I, I know. Just meeting with David Cox and, and you or I on Thursday at media availability, he was not happy that they were coming off a loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because he expects a response. And you know, Bob McKillop can coach. Obviously, he he's one of the deans in the A10. Uh, you know, the longest tenured coach at at his school. Uh, in the conference, um, you know, guy who, who runs a great offensive system, and you know, Davidson, even for all its struggles and all its faults this year, they still have a top thirty offense. They still shoot the three very well. Uh, you know, Kellen Grady's in the mid thirty six percent range. Uh, Hung Jun Lee, who you mentioned before, is at forty percent. Um, you know, freshman who, who looks like he has a very good college career ahead of him. Uh, you know, so Rhode Island, if you're you know, you're coming off a, a week uh, where you've had a chance to self scout a little. Bit, rest a little bit. Uh, Davidson was the first team you beat that started that 10-game winning streak that you went on that, that's put you into NCAA position here. Um, you know, If you're Rhode Island, you're, you're playing the ultimate rhythm team, in my mind. Davidson, if you can knock them off the three-point line, if you can keep them off the board early, uh, you take away their confidence early in the game, you can have yourselves a relatively easy time against them. But if you let them make shots and see the ball go in early on and they start to feel good about themselves, you're in for a long night. That That's just the type of team they are, the type of momentum that they're capable of generating. Do you think uh, Rhode Island, Yeah, I know we said in the last podcast you thought that this uh, bye week came at a good time. It seems as if they, they used it, uh, you know, what they were looking for. Yeah, I think they, they got some rest. They took a couple days off. Uh, you know, like I said, they did do some self scouting. Uh, you know, David Cox said they, you know, they were looking to make a couple tweaks on offense and on defense. You know, just minor things. Um, you know, but I think obviously, just just most importantly, is getting some rest. Uh, you know, they played fourteen games in forty five days. Uh, they were very busy. A lot of those were on the road. Uh, they're in a stretch right now where they play four out of five on the road. Their last game, a win over St. Joe's at home, 73-55. That was their only home game uh, during that stretch. You're, you're playing at Davidson and then at Fordham. Uh, and then you have two of your last three at home. So I, I think just in terms of, of where it fell on the schedule, the, the fact that you had road games coming up, the fact that you had been so active, um, the fact that it's still a little bit away from March and, and the conference tournament, you get a chance to recharge a little bit. I, I think that they're... I think that their buy came at, at, at the absolute perfect time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's probably one that, that they used well. So uh, people have asked me, how safe is Rhode Island? I said they're safe. Uh, they're, they're in an excellent position. Uh, however, they have three games left against top 100 teams, top 75-ish teams. Uh, Davidson's 83. St. Louis is 79. I think they probably need to win two of those three games. The other is obviously 
showdown, uh, hopefully for first place in the league against Dayton at the Ryan Center. Uh, are you with me there? Or if say say they only you know say they only beat St. Louis um, and then beat UMass, which by the way I think that UMass game has a little intrigue at the end. It's tricky. Yeah. Um, so say they say they have five left. Five left. Five left, and they go. Yep. Um, Three and two. You you invite trouble if one of your losses is Fordham or UMass. No, uh, I'm, I'm giving them wins there. Those would be big trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, if you go three and two and the other win is Dayton, I think you're oh, okay. No question. Um, you know, I think you could lose to Davidson and to St. Louis if, if your third win is against Dayton uh, because that gives you okay. another quad one win. It's going to give you a big boost uh, in the metrics and, and you'll probably be safe right. at that point. Uh, you know, but assuming that. You know, if you play Dayton and you lose the game, um, you know, in order to really, really feel good about yourselves, going to Brooklyn and, and take you know any quarterfinal result off the table in Brooklyn, you probably need to win the other two. Um, you know, just to stay safely in the field. Right now, according to Bracket Matrix, Rhode Island would be a nine seed. Uh, they have nine or ten teams who have at-large bids behind them according to bracket matrix. So there is some cushion there. Um, you know, it, it's just a matter of how close you want to cut it down the stretch. And, and if you win this game, if you win this game at Davidson, you put yourself in very nice position because that St. Louis game is at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Fordham game, you're going to be a double-digit favorite on the road. You just need to take care of it. And then UMass, you would hope that you could go to your guys and say, all right, look, we win this game, we're in the NCAA tournament. Let's go out there and take care of it. Right. Secure a buy, uh, which yeah. probably would be secured. You by might have by one by then. Right, right. Uh, yeah, but my concern is with only one quad one win, that's the only blemish on their schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm Just for the sake of discussion that they don't beat Dayton, uh, they may go before the committee with one quad one win. I, I don't think that keeps you out of the tournament by any stretch, but it's certainly going to affect your seating. Um, and they might not be able to do anything about that. So you just take care of business uh, at Davidson and St. Louis at home. I, th- I think those two games are very dangerous. I think people are overlooking both St. Louis and Richmond uh, in the uh, in the A10, and, and maybe I, I think the bloom has fallen off the rose for VCU. That they, they, they've really uh, struggled here in the last three weeks, where Richmond has taken that positive step, and they're now in the discussion. They're, they're, I, I get it right here. They're 43 in the net uh, and, and certainly in the mix. If you're Richmond right now, you're looking at them in, in various brackets as either you know one of the last teams into the field uh, going to Dayton or one of the last teams left out. Uh, you know They've played their way into contention. Uh, VCU has played its way out of contention. Uh, you know I don't think there's any path for them uh, to get a bid unless they win uh, the A-10 tournament in, in Brooklyn. I, I think they're all done. Um, you know, but if you look at Richmond's resume, um, their only really bad loss was on a neutral court against Radford. Uh, you know, their other games, they lost neutral against Auburn at Alabama, uh, home St. Louis, which is not a great result. Um, and then your home Dayton and, and at VCU, which would have been a quadrant one game. They've won their last five. Um, you know, they're 50 in Ken Palm. Like you said, they're in the low 40s in the net. Uh, you know, they would give the committee something to think about. Uh, if they're able to win out here, they have a big game on Saturday at St. Bonaventure. Uh, that's one that they probably need to get uh, because the Bonnies are, are you know, not necessarily a team that, that's going to help you that much. Well, what, what's uh, their schedule be- the rest of the way, if you have it? I'm curious. 
They're at St. Bonaventure. Yeah. At George Washington, which GW is, is you know, they can be difficult if yep. they're healthy. But you got to win. Yep. UMass home, Davidson home at Duquesne. So okay. no real big opportunities there to make a big splash. There's, there's a bunch of banana peels in there, though, that they could slip on. Right. Uh, their issue uh, is, again, they only have two quad one wins. They have two quad three losses, but right. um, they, they, they have bubble written all over them. They do. Uh, if they can keep winning uh, and, and protect their protect their case uh, down the stretch here. Um, there may be a th- – well, there is, I think, a third team that's going to play their way into the March discussion in Rhode Island. That's Brown. Uh, Brown is uh, in really good position out of the shoot here in the Ivy League and have two monster games this weekend against the lower half of the league, but on the road. So they'll be tricky uh, at Columbia tonight, Friday night. And then they go to uh, Ithaca and play Cornell on Saturday. Um, you know, probably two you need to get minimum split. If you want to feel good about yourself, yeah, yeah you, you probably need those two. Uh, you know, Brown did the job last weekend. They got a split on the Penn-Princeton trip. Uh, you know, won the first game at Penn, 75-63. Uh, a monster effort by their backcourt. 21 points from Zach Hunsaker, 31 points from Brandon Anderson. And most in the second half. Yeah, those yeah. two guys really dragged them over the line. Uh, you know, and that was a very impressive win. Uh, you know, a game that, that they trailed by 11 points late in the first half. Uh, and rallied you know, in the second half. Uh, at Princeton the next night, lost 73-54. Just looked to me like they ran out of gas right. in that game. Uh, you know, but right now, sitting at 5-3 and three in the Ivy League, um, you're tied with Penn and Harvard, and you've beaten those two teams already. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so if you're Brown, if the season ended today, you would be in the Ivy League tournament and uh, you know should be feeling pretty good about where they're at right now. Well, the way I look at uh, the Ivies is anything over 500 and you're in the tournament. That, that's how it's been uh, historically uh, since they created the four-team Ivy tournament. They are 5-3 and three now. If you give them a sweep this weekend, seven wins with multiple weekends to go, several home games, uh, really looking in, in, in pretty good shape. But yeah, uh, these are, as you said, these are two you need to get. Cornell and Columbia are the bottom two teams in the league. They have a combined three wins so far. And when they came to Providence, uh, you know Brown didn't exactly blow them out. They they were competitive games. No, Cornell was a, a tight game, seventy four sixty three, and then Columbia was a game that they trailed in the second half mm-hmm. uh, and went on a nice run over the last five minutes to to beat the Lions. Uh, you know, so definitely. You know, two games, you're, you're looking at Ken Pomeroy and, and you're looking at predictions for Brown's next four. Yeah. All predicted to be one-point games. Oh, get the Maylocks out, Mike Martin. Big time if you're wow. Mike Martin. Four in a row? Four in a row. Four in a row. Wow. So, you know, Brown fans, uh, you know, listen to Scott uh, Kordishi and uh, Russ Tyler. And breathe deep. And uh, <laughs> have the Maylocks ready to go. Yeah. Uh, if you can get video... Uh, you're going to be in real problem. Uh, believe me, uh, Russ and Scott will keep you on the edge of your seat uh, just by themselves. Mm. Um, and then Bri- uh, Bryant, uh, imagine this, uh, Bill. Their last home game is Sunday night. Uh, tonight, Friday, they, they're at St. Francis of Brooklyn. But then they come home for their last home game uh, against Sacred Heart on Sunday. Uh, boy, that, that, that NEC went fast for, yeah. for Bryant. Finished before the calendar month is over in February. Uh, their last NEC game is at Wagner. On Saturday the 29th. Uh, you know, Bryant, last week, a, a very interesting week. They lost the worst team in the league, Central Connecticut, 
and they beat the best team in the league, Merrimack. Uh, you know, a game that, that I was at Tuesday night, mm. uh, 61-52. Merrimack scored 10 points in the last 16 minutes. And, and Bryant, you know, really showed some of the ability that they've put on display throughout the year. You know, they've had seven NEC Rookies of the Week so far. Bryant seven. So you would suggest that that the future is bright there. Uh, it's just, it's a team that that is sort of going through that growth phase where you're not quite sure how to get over the hump. You've been competitive in a lot of games. You've lost a lot of single digit games. I think the other night they improved to three and six in single digit games in the league. You turn that and you're having a very successful season. Well, and, and uh, they also have a dynamic which I totally agree with from uh, Coach Jared Grasso's point of view in that. Adam Grant and uh, and Akena Naduba, uh, you know, throughout most of the season have led the team, played most of the minutes in the backcourt, et cetera, et cetera. Not happening anymore. Right. So did they maybe mentally turn the page and say, hey, well, we got to play our young guys and see where we stand? Or have the young guys just played better yeah, at times? It's hard for me to believe that Adam Grant still isn't their best scorer, but I, I've noticed that, and I, I, maybe he has health issues, I'm not quite sure, but his minutes uh, are, are clearly down in the last couple of weeks. And uh, again, I get it. Uh, you know, Brian isn't, isn't going to win the NEC, so I, I understand, but uh, that does make an interesting dynamic. Mm, no question. Uh, and you saw the young guys the other day, that, that those building pieces that we saw in the non-conference uh, especially the little guy, Allen, has, has really played well. Michael Green. Michael Green, yeah. Yeah, had yeah. 13 points the other night. Uh, Juan Cardenas had 13 and 15. Uh, mm-hmm. Played really well. He, he's a senior who's finishing up strong here. Uh, and Hall Elishas uh, had 15, you know, team high 15 points, six for seven shooting. Uh, battled a shoulder injury throughout most of the middle of the season. Looked healthy. The other night, uh, back on defense with three block shots as well. Uh, you know, and, and a guy who can be a big time difference maker in the NEC at, at six seven and athletic inside. No question, a lot of building pieces for Bryant going forward. Oh, oh, Bill, we have breaking news on the podcast. Please, I wish we had some sound effects. The uh, breaking news sound effects. Rodney Harrison has the flu. Oh. And will not be attending tomorrow's oh. game at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. There'll be no media availability. Oh. Wow. And I know they, they had planned to use him during some timeouts and come out and wave at the crowd and has the flu. Oh. So our friend Stevie Knapp. Well, that's you know, too bad. It's, it's uh, Steve Napolillo, the uh, promotion king over there at Providence College. Uh, he's going to have to come up with something different on the fly. Well, the good news for Steve and, and our good friend Larry Lapore is all those tickets were sold anyway, uh, and they don't need Rodney Harrison to no, sell the rest. They weren't coming for Rodney. So No, no. Uh, Friar fans, uh, enjoy tomorrow's uh, noon, noon, early tip. Uh, Kevin Mack likes the noon tip, I, I've been told. I do. I like to be done by 5 o'clock. That's, that's appealing to me. Where, where I am, Bill Koch would rather have, I mean, it, is the optimum time for you 7 or you'd rather have it late afternoon? Uh, well, we got a 5.30 at Davidson, uh, Rhode Island on CBS Sportsnet, which uh, 5.30 is good for me. I like 5.30. Okay. Um, you know, I would prefer 7. There, there is something about having a game day routine, uh, especially on the road. I usually travel morning of. I get to the hotel. I take a quick nap and... And wake up, shower up, and I'm ready to go. But dinner's not important to you, I guess. I have dinner at the game. Yeah. And if you're at Davidson, barbecue. Okay. I was going to say, uh, I'm I'm a veteran of media media room food, and I'd say it's um, uh, unpredictable. 
from place to place At and times, haunt yes. to haunt. Yes. Uh, Usually Davidson, though, they're, they're but good it's for also some vital because fans, you know, I know that no one has any sympathy for us whatsoever. But Nor for should you. 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock game, we're not leaving the arena until after 11. Uh, maybe after 11.30, there's not a lot of hot spots open for hungry sports writers at that time. So you, no. you do need a little sustenance pregame. Uh, but yeah. Well, we could have to have a different f- uh, podcast on our uh, media room food choices. For, for anyone who saw me on uh, Channel 12 with our friend Yanni Karakas the other night, you'll know that I'm not in any danger of starving anytime soon. <laughs> no comment on that one. So that's it for the, this week's uh, Pick and Pop podcast. We'll be back next week with uh, more updates. Thank you.